Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesueur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning. Good morning. So it's been so it's been 22 for or 2022 for like a day now. Is are your resolutions still intact? I don't. You know I don't. I heard I heard a, a stat that was like 70% of New Year's resolutions don't make it past January 4th. I don't know if you're a resolution kind of person. I have been in the past. I didn't make any this year. Uh, but anyway, I, I heard that, uh, I don't know, have you ever been to a, a, a fitness gym the first week of January, and then the second week, it just looks different the second week, but anyway, do you feel different though? You know, new year, new possibilities, right? Exciting stuff. Are, are there things that you're excited for in 2022? I, I was, Mike. Mike's ready. Excellent. Good. Um, there's a there's some awesome things happening this year. If you're okay, so if you're a sports fan, it's a good year. You get we have Winter Olympics coming up in February. I read that it's the first. So they're in Beijing. First time a city has ever hosted a Summer Olympic and a Winter Olympic. That's kind of cool. Uh, actually, I have a former student of mine who is competing. Uh, have you heard of ice dancing before? It's like ice. It's like Kind of like ice skating, but with a partner. With a partner. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I have, a, I have a former student of mine who's gonna, is uh, competing now to be in the finals for, or to go to Beijing, which is pretty cool. So we're rooting for Leah. Um, uh, this, uh, it's not till November, but if you're a soccer fan, World Cup, that's a big deal. I read this week that, uh, that the, uh, the Super Bowl averages um, right around um, a billion viewers worldwide, which is an, an intense thing. But the World Cup, the championship final, averages two and a half billion people watching the same event. That's bonkers to me. Um, and then I, I saw this article in the New York Times, they were talking about things that you should be excited about in 2022. And this was my favorite one, and I just really, boy, I'd love to just read this one to you verbatim. This was, this was the blurb. It said this, can you dance? Can you jive? Can you have the time of your life? Maybe you know where I'm going with this. Hard to say after nearly two years in lockdown, but if the answer is a resounding yes at the ABBA voyage. Remember ABBA? Yeah? A massive digital reunion concert of the Swedish legends of 1970s pop. The venue, a custom-built arena in the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in London, will host the four band, uh, the four band members' holograms alongside a ten-person live band. So, if you if you're sitting on some airline miles, I'm just saying, <laughs> Abba hologram might be uh, might be worth it. 
Now, there's a lot of things to look forward to in 22, uh, 2022. That's hard to get that off the tongue. Around here, obviously, we're very excited because we're going to be launching our new Prague campus here at the end of March. Uh, so praise the Lord in, in that. There's just a lot of things to look forward to in 2022. But if you look back at where we've been the last 12 months, how does it, how does it add up for you? What was 2021 for you? There are many of us that have been hit by the pains of COVID or cancer, death, debt, loss. But on the other hand, then for some, 2021 was a, was a great year. You know, for some families around here, welcomed new little ones into the world, either children or, or grandchildren. So for some of us, we're, we're looking forward to 2022. And some of us are just kind of wondering, ah, what's coming around the corner? What's coming down the pike? A little uncertain. So today, on January 2nd, we look ahead to the future, either anxiously or excited or just downright stressed out about it. And it's not too different from where we find our passage today. But before we jump into Isaiah 63, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, The prospects of 2022 are different for almost everyone in this room. Some of us are looking at 2022 in a very positive, optimistic, excited way. A new year, a new me. And some of us are rolling our eyes at, at New Year's resolutions and cold of winter and wondering, God, what, what is next? Lord, I pray that you would impress on us this morning through your word how steadfast you are, how consistent you are, how never-changing you are. God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. May I be a humble servant to communicate your words of love and grace today. And teach us this day, Lord, one more lesson this day about your love. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, if you'd like to look up on the screen, if you're joining us from home, we, we greet you wherever you may be. I know I saw pictures of, of some folks here at Word of Life who uh, traveled up north for the weekend. Wherever you are, would you join us in Isaiah 63? As we look at this passage, we see the writer of this chapter simultaneously looking back at what God has done and looking ahead to the future. So let us begin by turning to Isaiah 63 starting in verse 7. It says this, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. 
For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled. Right? We're talking about people in the Bible. They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. And he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock, they go down into the valley. The Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Here ends the reading. You see, at the beginning of this section, the, the author, which it's not totally agreed on, if, if, is, this, is this Isaiah? Is this the first Isaiah? We're, they're not totally sure on who wrote this, but whoever did write this, the author, toward the end of the book of Isaiah, begins by saying, he will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, to speak of the steadfast love of the Lord. And I think on the surface that sounds really good, right? The, the kindnesses of the Lord. Man, we love when kindnesses are done to us, right? Don't you love when kind acts are done upon you? Aren't those good stories to tell? Uh, have you ever heard, maybe you've, you've been in one of these, have you ever heard of a pay-it-forward chain? This just happened to me like two weeks ago. I was in the Caribou line, but I, I want to read this to you. This is a, an article from a few years ago. From 2015, it says this. A pay-it-forward chain lasting hundreds of customers spontaneously occurred at a Chick-fil-A in Pooler, Georgia. According to WTOC, early Thursday morning, one woman paid the check for the customer behind her at the drive-thru. The diners behind her decided to continue her good deed, and the, rest the restaurant says that for the majority of the day, people kept paying it forward. A staffer at the Chick-fil-A confirmed that 215 customers paid it forward up until around 2.30 yesterday afternoon. One participant tells the news channel, she'd love to see more of these chains. I think more people in more places need to do stuff like this. It's just a way to put everybody in a good mood, I guess. I had no problem paying it forward to the next customer. You know, and I hear stories like this, and I, and I think they're cool, and, and I, I, don't know why I, I don't know why I never start them, but man, when I get caught in the middle of one, that's an exciting, that's an exciting thing. You know, I don't know if it's ever happened to you before where like, this, again, it happens to me when I go to Caribou, and I'll, you know, maybe I'll have a $4 something or other, and I get caught, oh, I'm in the pay for it. Well, yeah, I want to pay for the guy behind me. What's their order? Oh, yeah. It's $28. Yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. Mm. 
But we love to have kindnesses done upon us, don't we? To speak of the kindness of the Lord is what Isaiah here says. But it's a little different. It's not quite a pay-it-forward caribou chain that's happening here in Isaiah 63. If we can put up verse 7 back up on the screen. You see, by this time in history, Judah is under Babylonian captivity. They are in a land that is not their own. And everything has been taken away from them. They are in a place where they're feeling desperate. But even out of this desperation, the, the author begins, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, the kindnesses of the Lord. One of the commentaries that I dug into this week, a man named Leupold says, in recalling God's deeds of mercy, the writer's heart grows warm and his tongue eloquent. Thoughts gush forth. Right? When he, he can be in a place of desperation, but when he starts talking about the love of God, his heart just explodes. He is so grateful and thankful for the kindness and the great goodness of the Lord. Leupold says, seldom has the pen of man captured this truth more fittingly. He goes on to say that the true emotions behind God's actions toward Israel, toward Israel are shown. We can see them up here, right? Goodness, mercy, compassion, an abundance of steadfast love. Right? I, I, I don't know about you, but I totally resonate with that. When you've been down and out and true kindness has then been shown to you. I don't know about you, it chokes you up. It chokes me up. And then, what, then one thing that I want to do is I want to tell everyone about it. You know, I know this is probably going to embarrass them, and it's a story that our students and Wayfarer have heard before. But when I think about the love and, and mercy and kindness of a father, of our Heavenly Father, for me, I, I was blessed with, with a really great representation here on earth. My dad has been very kind to me for all, all the days of my life. There's one story that, that always comes to mind, though, for me. It was a number of years ago, as a young, uh, a young youth guy, uh, Brittany and I were living up in Minneapolis. We were serving our sister church, Ebenezer, up there. And I'd gotten a little bit of money in my pocket, and it was time to get a new car, and I wanted to buy my dream car. And my dream car was a 2004 Honda Element. Now, if you don't remember what a Honda Element looked like, do you remember those ones that looked like a kind of a cardboard box on wheels? I desperately wanted that car. It was so cool. There was no fabric at all in the car. It was all like made out of like rubber or something. And you could literally, I could take a garden hose, open the doors of, my, of this element and just hose it down. It was the best, the best. And I desperately wanted this car. Now, it was the first time in my life that I'd ever gone to buy a car without my parents. My folks were in North Dakota. I was in Minneapolis. I went online. I Googled Honda Element. I found the price that would work for me, the first car, and I went and bought that car practically sight unseen. 
I, I think the sales guy was like, oh, you know, we can take this for a test drive. I was like, no, 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 it's okay. This is my car. Well, as you can imagine, uh, I probably should have kicked the tires a little bit more on this vehicle. Uh, I'd owned it for a couple of weeks, and uh, I learned that there was a certain defect of 2004 Honda Elements when they would hit 100,000 miles. Uh, they would have warping uh, on the top of the engine block of these vehicles. I didn't know that ahead of time. And so I'm stuck. It's mid-July, Minneapolis, stuck on traffic on 35W, and the temperature gauge on this element just goes from cold to hot. So I go, ah, that's not good. And turned it off. Cold to hot. Cold to hot. I knew something was wrong. So I took it to the mechanic, and the mechanic said that the top third of this is going to have to be removed and remachined so that it, would, that it would work properly. And I said, yeah, that sounds great. What's that going to cost? And he said, $2,500. He could have said $25,000. I didn't have, I just bought the car. I didn't have any money at all. And so my, my element sat at this mechanic for, uh, for a week or two, and I, I was trying to come up with this plan of how was I going to get my car back. Felt a little like the prodigal son in Luke 15, where he comes up with this plan to convince his dad to, to kind of enter some transaction. And I came to my dad. I didn't know where else to go. I came to my dad. I called him, and I said, Dad, I need help. This bill is $2,500. Can I borrow the money from you? And I'll never forget what my dad said. And I understand that, that this is not everyone's story, but this is my story. I will never forget what my dad said. My dad said, I'm not going to lend this money to you. This is not a loan. This is a gift. Grace is a gift. And he goes, I'm not expecting you to pay this back to me. What I, what I hope it does is that it will stick with you that when you have kids someday and when your kids are in a situation someday, that you would act in a similar kindness. As you can tell, that story has stuck with me for many years. That lesson that my dad taught me that day of choosing kindness and mercy. And that's just my dad and a Honda Element. How much more mercy and kindness and grace do our Heavenly Father show us? Let's look back here at, at Isaiah 63. In verse 8, God says, Surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. But look at this phrase. Uh, uh, sorry, I read it out of the NIV. This is in the ESV. Children who will not deal falsely. Look at that phrase. See, that claim goes against the reality of who Israel really was. God wasn't fooled by 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 Israel choosing to deal falsely. Israel was a people that were, that, that were kind of apt to being true to God for a while, and then they'd become stubborn and turn away. And no one knew that better than the Lord himself, and yet he became their savior. Why would God do this? Why would God claim the people of Israel as his children and become their savior. 
going back to the commentator, he said this, love might induce a man to put the better construction on all that the nation does. By logic, logic doesn't fathom when it comes to the depth of divine love. This verse surely says with emphasis that the Lord's favor toward the nation and toward us is utterly undeserved. Strict logic is not going to fathom the depth of divine love. God's actions toward Israel do not make sense. They did not earn it. They did not deserve it. They were certainly not worthy of it. But God was not kind toward Israel. And in turn, God is not kind toward you because it's a good investment. He's not kind toward you because it's a reasonable thing to do. See, God shows his loving kindness toward us because he recklessly loves us. We have not done anything in our lives that would merit the love of God, but yet he gives it to us anyways. He loves you when you are good, and he loves you when you are bad. Go on to verse 9. Verse 9 tells us of how God has been with Israel through all of it. In all of their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. You see, the story of how God has been with Israel is not unlike the story of how God has been with you. Right? Like Israel, God is distressed when you are distressed. He is not a distant, emotionless God. He feels your pain. And in that pain, he still sends his saving grace to us. In his love and mercy, he still redeems you. He still lifts you up and carries you through this life. You see, God is still the same loving, gracious, redeeming Savior as he was in the days of Isaiah. And as we walk through this prayer, this, this passage here in Isaiah, it's, it's telling the, the Hebrew story, the story of Israel. Because Then we come to verse 10. Right? The story of Israel. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. You see, as, as Israel rebelled, and we see that time and time again, the loving Father must also be the righteous judge. And because of Israel's rebellion, he must do what he does not enjoy doing, correcting Israel and calling them back from their rebellion. You see, that's what the law, that's what God's law does in our life too. When we rebel, when we turn away from God, it is the law that shows us our sin. It reveals our shame. And it calls us, through the gospel, it calls us back 
to God. It shouts for the need of a rescuer. We are no different from the people of Israel. The loving Father must also be the righteous judge for us. And in verses 11 through 14, when, when Israel's had their sin revealed and the law has done its perfect work, they are in a posture to remember how good it was when they walked with God. Right? Verse 11, it says, and his people recall, they remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Right? They're, you see this throughout the Old Testament that the people of Israel, the, they have this, um, this deep importance of knowing their history. We see this time and time again. And here it is again. They're remembering. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit? Verse 12, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name. Verse 13, who led them through the depths like a horse in the desert. They did not stumble. Like livestock they go, that go down into the valley, the spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. The author has returned to a place of singing of the loving kindness of the Lord. Throughout the entire story of the people of Israel in the Old Testament, we see the cycle over and over and over again. Right for a time, they're following God and everything's good. And then sin enters and rebellion, and then they get corrected and called back home, and wash, rinse, and repeat. For a long time, I would, I would read the stories of Israel's rebellion and wonder out loud, like, why would you do that? Why are you doing such a foolish thing? Can't you see that this is just going to lead to pain and suffering? Why won't you just follow God? Right when we read it, I mean, I was appalled by the, by the actions of the Israelites until I like, looked up and looked in a mirror and realized, oh, their story is it's my story. How often I walk away from God almost immediately after he has shown me his grace and mercy. You know, I think that sometimes I even rebel quicker than the people of Israel. And when I think of that, it brings me a lot of grief. You know, I start to wonder out loud, Nick, why would you do that foolish thing? Can't you see that it'll all bring you pain and suffering? Nick, why can't you just follow God? And if that's where the story ended, my friends, that would be a really sad story. Because when we're in that place, we can't believe that God will forgive us just one more time. We've messed up too bad this time or hurt too many people this time, caused too much trouble this time. And if the story ended just with the law of revealing my sin, it would be a sad story. 
But it's not a sad story. The story doesn't end there. Because the same God who was with Israel the whole time, pained by their pain, that same God who redeemed them and saved them is the same God who is pained by your pain and redeems you and saves you. He is the same God who is loving and kind and compassionate. He is the same God who stands beside you and carries you, guides you, and gives you rest. Though you and I are like Israel and falter and fail, God's way of loving them is the same way he loves you and me. Our heavenly father is steadfast. He is bigger than our problems. The the entirety of Isaiah 63 testifies to the fact that God has his foes under control even when they are doing their worst. And my friends, our heavenly father is a big God who is not, he does not waver on his love for you or me. And praise the fact that it is that God who carries you and me into this next year, whatever this year may bring, no matter what is to come, God's love for you does not change. God's love for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow is steadfast and true. No matter how hard you may rebel, God will not leave you or forsake you. Praise his holy name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so floored by the fact that you do not change. Your love is a comfort. Your steadfastness is a rock for for which we can stand. God, your love is not a love of shifting sands. It is solid and true and merciful and kind. God, we do rebel. We're stubborn and we push and we kick. But your love for us does not change. God, in a moment here, you're going to give us an opportunity to even experience that love in a, in a visceral way, in communion. God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive your grace today. Your steadfast love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.